We feel so strongly about all you do to encourage us and what we plan to do to encourage you. We are Modern Homemakers. We have been around for about 35 years now under two names, Homemakers by Choice and Modern Homemakers, and we've never stopped doing the same thing, which is giving helps, encouragement, and content for women, wife, mothers, and homemakers. That's what you'll get around here, and we hope it will encourage what you're doing. Today I want to talk about uh, consider your ways, which is a phrase found in a wee old Testament book called Hey Guy. Now, I'm not positive that's how you actually pronounce it, but when I was in Bible school, they were helping us learn how to say Old Testament words and names, and someone said, it's like, hey, guy, and waved his hand. So decades later, I'm still saying, hey, guy, and thinking about uh, waving your hand. It's a small book. Now, let me talk about small and big, major and minor prophets just for a nanosecond. They weren't major and minor as if Haggai was more important than Nehemiah. It was just the fact that Haggai only had a few prophecies to deliver, and Nehemiah had many. So Nehemiah was a major prophet, and Haggai was a minor prophet. I think I'm always uh, welcoming of the minor prophets. The first thing I want to say, though, is I'd like to talk about this notion about what's going on in our culture. If you were with us last time, we talked about the woman of kindness and what it takes to be kind. And what it takes to be kind in this culture, I think, is significantly different than previous cultures, but not so significantly different that God hasn't given us a framework of how to do it. So what I'd like to talk about just for a minute or two is theology over ideology. Theology, the study of God, over ideology, which we all have. We have a variety of ideologies about what the world looks like and how it should be run. And when it comes to the partisanship, the differences in our culture, the vitriol, the families who are families, mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, akin to the Civil War, divided, divided in such a way that they are torn asunder, to use an old Bible phrase, because of the vaccine, or because of the right party or the left party, or because who's in office or who was in office. We've been torn apart. And I want to say to you that I think there's a simple answer. Not only consider your ways, but I think the simple answer is what Jesus says to us. Matthew 6, 33. He says, first strive for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the rest will be added unto you. Now, those of you who have been around for a while, you know how fond I am of the SOM, the Sermon on the Mount, 
Matthews 5, 6, and 7. And that passage is found in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. First, strive for the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? Does the kingdom of God have partisan? Does it have one party over another party? Is one issue more important than the other issue? What does kingdom living look like to you in the world you're living in? I promise you that simple question will help you resolve and help you be the kind of woman that we spoke about when we were together the last time. John 18 and 36, Jesus answers, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And then Paul tells us in Philippians that our citizenship is in heaven and it is not from here, and that we are expecting the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are numerous things that we could dig into and, and talk about and recognize how opposed we are with one another. I'm sure I believe some things about our culture that you may not. The only thing I want to say to you is be careful about becoming a one-issue person. I, I think that you will find in all the issues that we are faced with that we must consider behavior toward, uh, the issues are very polarized. And if we have to choose one, it's going to make us more polarized, and we're going to get more engaged in ideology than we are in theology. Remember the poor, for you shall have them with you always. Very seldom do I hear in conversations about our country, about our elections, about our electees, um, in conversation, period. I hear them talking about all sorts of issues that face education, pro-life, segregation, diversity. There, there are just scores of them. I, I never hear us talking about feeding the poor. Now, I can promise you that if you choose to be a one-issue person, I would encourage you to choose an issue that Christ speaks about more than any other issue in all of the scripture. He speaks a great deal about economics and how we spend our money. So I want to challenge you to think kingdom way, to think kingdom over nation. You don't have to hate your country, but you also shouldn't love your country or idealize it higher than idealizing the God of the universe, our creator, Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm going to stop there because it may be just like me to tip over the wrong one last comment, and I'll be sorry I said it. And you know we don't have it around here. So now I want to talk to you for a few minutes um, right out of the book of Haggai, I've mentioned where he is and where he comes from. And this is a book about kingdom living. It's a small book, as I mentioned. And candidly, I have been <clears throat> looking at this book, uh, Haggai, and going back to it for about four decades. Oh my goodness, yes, four decades. There's something about his his ability to take the big picture of what's going on in the nation of Israel, about where they are, about what they're doing, about why they're doing, 
and he, he brings it back to kingdom living. And he, he asks these very complicated questions. He wants to know why they're doing this and why they're not doing that. So I, wa I want to go through this two chapters, not every verse, but a few verses that would highlight his repeated phrase, and that is, consider your ways. Did your mom ever say that to you? Did a professor ever say that to you? Did your husband ever say that to you after you've overspent the budget? Or have you said it to him after he's watched entirely too much football? Consider your ways. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a command. It's a question. It's an open-ended question, and it leaves all the response on your side. And I love how Haggai does this. He doesn't just give us a whole long list of things to do. I told you it was a small book. It's two chapters. The first chapter has 15 verses, and the second chapter has 23 verses. And I'm not even going to land on all of them, so you can see that this will be a relatively short session. Consider your ways. So it's very important he starts out with when this is going on, what's happening in the world, in the country that they live in. It's the second year of Darius, the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel. Now, I'm not going to read through everything else that happens, but I like the fact that he's saying this is the time. Like I'm saying to you, think kingdom, not nation, on February, February 6th, 2023. I, I want to be that specific because I want to say to you that this is a time that you need to be considering your ways and that you will always end up in the safe spot if your way is God's kingdom way. So then he goes on to say a few things. Um, the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. He's now getting to serious conversation. What I love also about this short little book is that he goes right forward. I think he doesn't have a lot of words in his vocabulary, and he wants to get right to the point. And the point is, what's going on, guys? The temple has not yet been rebuilt, and why not? Then he goes on to verse um, 5, no, verse 4, and he says, Is it time for you, yourselves, to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate. Now, this is a translation of about 60 years ago, uh, the, uh, the version that I'm reading from. But can you see paneled houses? Can anybody see a paneled room somewhere in your history? Your grandmother's house, your great-grandmother's house, they just put up those panels and it was kind of cool and it made it look like a wood room even though it wasn't a real wood room. We're doing that on our floors a lot. Not real wood, but wood that looks like wood. And I don't know why, but that phrase just often just jumps at me. And, and what I hear, I, who love my home, love decorating my home, you know that... At least 20% of what we talk around here is about practical ways to keep that home beautiful and working and hospitable. So here's the prophet saying to the people, is, are we paneling our own houses when the kingdom of God's house, the temple, is not being rebuilt? It's desolate. Don't you think I could stop right there? Are you building your kingdom outside of your heart? 
Are you spending more time on your computer, your phone, television, movies, sports, working out, dining at restaurants, shall I quit? All of those things apply to all of us. And I'm not asking you to stop them, I'm asking you, are you spending more time in your panel houses when the temple lies desolate? If there's a question that I ask most regularly to women when I'm teaching or speaking or even in my small groups, what's one thing you'd really like to do more of? Now, it's true, I'm a Bible teacher, so that's in context. They always say, I wish I could pray more, had more prayer time, that my prayers were more whatever, fill in the blank. And so I say to you, maybe that's the notion, the umbrella you'd like to put over the rest of these words. In verse 5, then, Haggai says, consider your ways, consider your ways. Some of these people have never left Babylon Think about that. Why would they never leave? It's been pretty good there. And they're accustomed to leeks and garlic and gracious living. And why go back to the torn out, uh, deconstructed place? It was good for them, and they adopted the new ways. And that's what Haggai says. Consider your ways. Have you adopted the ways of the United States of America? I'm often hearing people talk about the loss of our country and how we are no longer, no longer, no longer. I realize that I am the we and I need to continue to build my own temple and continue to be a part of the church. Oh, Donna, are you really going to go to the church too? Yeah, I am because most of the Research is telling us that we are the nuns of the world, N-O-N-E. We don't have a church preference. We don't go to church regularly. Even the megachurches are noticing a significant drain since the last COVID couple of years when we were unable to gather together. The scripture is quite clear that we are not to do church alone. We are to do it in community. We are to do it in places where we submit to one another. So is your career, being able to work from home, allowing you to fall into habits that don't include going to a house of worship or being assembling together with people who believe as you do? Is your schedule or your finances first and last priority? Is there an emptiness, a lack of contentment, or a restlessness? Are you afraid? Are you afraid? I have a dear young woman who is precious to me, precious to me. Um, I have known her for 35 years. She's only, maybe only 30 years I've known her. She comes from a very difficult background and quite a um, rebellious background. And during the riots that happened in Scottsdale during 2020, I received a phone call, and I picked it up, it was her on the other end, and she said, calling her husband my name, do you want us to come and bring our guns? I, I was very touched by that, that she loved us enough. She was so concerned that the riots were 10 minutes from our house, and they were saying unkind things of what they were doing to women, and she loved us enough to want to do that. But I think, am I afraid? Do I need a gun? Is that what we're coming to? Do we defend ourselves? And of course, the gun issue is a really big issue. There's so many issues that are really big. What does the kingdom say? What is the kingdom choice about guns? Not 
America's choice. So he says, consider your ways. In verse 7, he says it again, consider your ways. <clears throat> Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. Between verses 9 and 12, the people res respond, and um, they don't respond in a way that is pleasing to Haggai. So he comes through in verses 13 and 14, and he says, "Then, well, first he says, and the people showed reverence for the Lord, and then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by commission of the Lord, and he said, I am with you declares the Lord. And that gave them some comfort, some comfort enough that they were going to begin and they go up to the mountain and they begin the building. They begin the building. And in the second chapter, we see, we see Haggai saying to them, be people of courage. Be people of courage. This is not going to be easy. Take courage. In the first verse, the first couple of verses, he says, take courage in four different ways and four different times. Take courage, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all the people of the land. Take courage, declares the Lord. And work as I am with you, says the Lord. Take courage. I love the concept of courage. As a matter of fact, when I was 17 years old, just coming into the kingdom of God, an old woman in my church said to me, you know, you should have a few words that come from the Bible that are important to you. And I said, well, that's a big book, the Bible. How do you find a word or words? And she said, well, maybe I could help you with that. And she just, uh, she must have had 50 words on a piece of paper. All I can remember were a lot of words. I don't think they were in alpha order. Maybe they were. But it was one of those moments in life we've all had that, you know, there's a piece of paper with all those words, and there was really only one word. It must have been in neon yellow pen. I doubt it in those days. But I thought it was, and it said courage. just said courage. And I wrote down on a piece of paper that I wanted to be a woman of courage. I'm pretty old now, on the other end of life. I can't tell you if I really have been a woman of courage. Ooh, I feel very clipped about it. But I can tell you that I've come back to that call to courage, the same call that Haggai is giving the children of Israel. I've come back to it. And when I'm afraid and when I'm unsure, I come back to that. I want to be a woman of courage, and I know that you and you alone give us courage. Haggai reminds them in verse 8, a passage that has held this ministry in stay for 30 years. Verse 8, he says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. And for women who have served, hundreds of women who served through the ministry of Homemakers by Choice, you no doubt have heard me say that. Let's do this. Well, we don't have any money. Well, if the Lord brings the money, we'll do this. And if he doesn't, we won't. We had the same policy with people and help. If it's a good idea and the Lord wants us to do it, he'll send people to do it. We did an event called Home for Christmas that uh, we did for 12 or 15 years. It was an extravaganza for our work. But God brought people 
and resources, and we did it, and we helped reorder what Christmas looked like for many hundreds and thousands of family. And that product is still on our website, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Take courage. Remember that God owns all the silver and the gold, and if he wants you to have it, you will have it. We've never hosted a fundraiser. I know that's true, but it, it seems unreal. But I can still remember at one of those events, the Home for Christmas, maybe the first one, the mother of one of the young women who had been very involved in the event came up and handed me a little check folded in half. And I thought, oh, she must have bought product from the table and didn't pay for it, and she wanted me to take care of it. I didn't even open it. I just thanked her and went on, busy day. And when I got home, it was a check by Jan Shepard, who's in heaven with God right now, for $300. That was a check of courage. She gave it to me, and I thought, someone else besides me and the people who lead this organization believes in what we're doing. She gave us courage. It's the first time anyone had ever, outside of the work which we were teaching and training leaders and small groups, and it was a wonderful time, a wonderful experience. It's what we continue to do via podcast. And in verse 9 he says, I own all the silver and gold in 8, and in verse 9 he says, and I shall give you peace and the courage to accomplish it. So I'd like to ask you to be clean before the Lord. Clean up your conversation. Don't be so national. Be more kingdom. Be clean before the Lord. Uh, allow yourself to be touched. Allow yourself to be hugged. Allow yourself to be embraced if you feel comfortable in that. But don't be mad at someone who won't hug you or won't embrace you. Uh, hang out with people who think like you, but don't uh, move away from people who think differently than you. Consider your ways. Consider the ways that you do what God is calling you to do. At the end of this second chapter in verse 15, and then 17, and then 18, Haggai says it again. But now, do consider from this day onward. Do consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the month. Do consider the work of the temple. Consider your ways in building the temple. Join me in dear Haggai, the minor prophet, and consider your ways. Don't talk about the way of the nation. Talk about the way of the kingdom and walk in the way of the kingdom. Well, I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers, and today I want to introduce you to someone who's going to be a very important part in what we do here um, three times a week or intermittently or however this all works out. As you know, we try to be constant, but we're not always. Her name is Leah Parker. Hi, Leah. Hi. <laughs> so nice to have you. It's been nice to have you across the table while I talked this morning. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Okay. So are you a single girl, a married girl? Been married almost 20 years. It's 19 years in February. Wow. I know. And his name is? Sky Parker. Sky Parker. Wonderful mm -hmm. man. I was there on that day 20 years ago. I'm very happy to do that. I'm very happy to do that. And do you have children? 
I have two children, a 14-year-old boy named Miles and a 12-year-old girl, Laurel. And I understand they're short people. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they're not. No, no, height is definitely something that's not on short supply around my house. It's your house. Yes. So, um, do you remember the length of the children when they were born? I don't remember. Yeah, I do. Miles was almost 21, and Laurel was 22 inches, and she had bright red hair, and she was the, the nurses would come in and say, I have to see this 22-inch redhead. She's an anomaly on the day she was born, so. Well, we're going to put a picture up on the website of your family, and a picture of, I know you never think of yourself this way, I've known you since you were a young woman, but it really does look like a beauty queen picture, so don't be thwarted by it, audience, because she is his real... She's the real deal. Just happens to be gorgeous to go along with it. So tell me about your involvement with um, Homemakers by Choice, Modern Homemakers. Yeah. So I, my mother was a ten, an attendant and a board member for a long time at Homemakers by Choice. She still is a board member. Yes. And and she brought me to my first homemaker. Did you call them meetings, gatherings? What was it on Thursday morning? Gatherings is what we called it, but I don't remember that either. Um, she, when I was, I believe, 19 years old, and it was really—I mean, my mom lived this way in her home, but I hadn't heard it taught. I think it was—I just listened to your teaching versus training. I think it was definitely training, but not teaching that I was experiencing in her home, and I loved the message I loved it it created a um a base belief in my life Mm, that's a great phrase thank you a base belief well one of the things you said um as we were talking about this and uh, I have this thoughtful prayer and I believe the Lord put Leah's picture or face in my head so I phoned her up and said hey what do you think about doing this and I, I kind of think I was a little surprised when she said yeah hey let's do this so my hope and prayer is that Leah's voice which is younger than mine and um, she has she's living these things that we talk about in the middle of this culture education church choices raising children in this culture um, the decisions that all of us face about being wives and mothers and homemakers and being women of faith and I know Leah to be a strong woman of faith she has worked in ministry before and we don't know exactly how this is going to work out but you're going to hear her voice more often not only talking about the ministry but talking about the subjects that we talk about in every show and when we chatted she used a phrase that I don't believe I've ever heard anyone use I don't think I've ever used it but could you tell the can you tell a little bit around how you got to that phrase the home is enough phrase. family is family enough. is enough um I like I said, a base belief with modern homemakers was your primary ministry is your family. And through raising my children, I'm administratively minded. I was looking for outlets to keep my mind busy. And I did start working for another ministry. And I worked for 10 years and decided to stop working based on where my children were developmentally in high school, how many years I had left with them. And Everybody would continually ask me, what are you going to do now? What's, what's your next step? What's the next thing? And the Lord just gave me the phrase, home is enough. It's, it's enough to keep 
my family and have time for my family. I feel like when the kids were younger, I could construct when I was available for them. Yes. And now it's been turned on its head. I have to be available when they're available to me. And that doesn't go well when you're working 40 hours a week. Even if you're working from home, you're still distracted at home when the kids might be available and wanting you. So I said goodbye to that job and now I'm here to help a couple of hours. Oh, thank you so much. We we are delighted. I think home is enough. It is um, a thought we've had. We've never used that phrase. The lesson that we'll do the rest of the next lesson we'll do together is out of the book that I wrote, which was Finding Your Purpose as a Mother. But the subtitle of that book is what really uh, clinched my heart, and that was Making Home Holy Ground. So I hope you'll join us, those of you who are listening. For Leah and myself, remember, the common begin and the... Uh, no, no, the common don't begin. How does this go? <laughs> the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go make it a very uncommon day in making home enough. <laughs>